0: what's up friends welcome back to the year of plenty podcast the show for all things real food where we take a deep dive to explore and build appreciation for real food and drink as well as the processes that bring it to our tables as always i'm your host paul de wieland and today i actually have another solo show for you guys so it's going to be just me and no guests So today's episode is actually about a regulatory pathway that food ingredient manufacturers can use to bring new food additives to the market. But first, I want to start out by asking you guys a question. How often do you really check the ingredient list for food products before you buy them? If you're not already, I really, really encourage you to do so. First of all, I really want you to get an idea of how many ingredients food products have these days because there's a lot. You know, it's kind of insane. Sometimes, you know, you'll go to the grocery store and you'll just pick up a food that, or a food product that looks simple, you know, looks like it doesn't have a bunch of stuff added to it. You take a peek at the ingredient list and it's just full of ingredients you can't even pronounce. It happens to me all the time and I think it's pretty crazy. You know, there seems to be this consensus that all those food additives or ingredients that We can see in ingredient lists on the back of processed foods um, that they're safe. And people think they're safe uh, because, you know, they think that the FDA has somehow, you know, like reviewed and tested all these ingredients extensively, especially if, you know, it's like a health food and it's got like an FDA approved stamp on it. But sadly, and I hate to be the one to break it to you, that's not really always the case. So the FDA is the Food and Drug Administration. It's the government agency here in the US, you know, whose job it is to ensure the safety of our national food supply. And, you know, they do make our food supply a priority. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, many people believe that when it comes to food additives especially, they could really do a lot better. But why do I say this? Well, to my surprise, I recently found out that a lot of the time, It's not the FDA that really determines if a new food additive is safe, but instead it's done by the people working for the ingredient manufacturers themselves. Yeah, I know. Sounds crazy to some of you, right? So how can this really be? Let's take a look at what a food additive is, first of all. And then, you know, we'll go into some of the history of the regulations and all that. So, according to a scientific review from uh, 2017 titled Food Additive Safety, a review of toxicology and regulatory issues by Peter Pressman and colleagues, a food additive is quote, a regulatory term that encompasses any functional substance that is normally neither consumed as a food itself, but is intentionally added to food, usually in small quantities, to argument its processing or to improve aroma, color, consistency, taste, texture, or shelf life. Additives are not considered nutritional even if they possess nutritive value, end quote. So there you have it. To put it in simple terms, a food additive really has nothing to do with the real food itself. It's not part of the food, but it's something added. Now, legally, there are really three ways a food additive can you know, find its way into our food supply. According to an article by Kelly Danewoods on foodsafetynews.com, the Federal Food, Drug, and Co- Cosmetic Act allows an ingredient to enter our food system through one of three ways. So what are these three ways? Well, as a f- the first one is as a food additive. The second one would be as a listed exception. So this would be like a color additive. And the third one is called GRAS, G-R-A-S. And this is a acronym for generally recognized as safe. So this last regulatory pathway, that's the one that this episode is all about. So, for the most part of these three regulatory pathways, uh, the first one, the food additive pathway, or the last one, the grass uh, pathway, is how food manufacturers bring new food additives to the market. But the difference between these two is really significant. For the food additive pathway, the FDA has always has to sign off, so they have to rigorously review it and test it and see if, you know. Uh, whatever these food manufacturers are trying to bring to the market if it's safe. But most companies are now actually using this gross pathway. And this gross pathway lets them add new food additives to the market without the FDA's approval. So let's briefly look at some of the history of this gross determination process or this notification program because, you know, I really think it's important to understand this to see where it all came from. And just so you know, I got all of this information that I'm about to share with you guys from the FDA's website. So in 1958, we get the so-called Food Additives Amendment, right? And, you know, it was enacted due to rising public concern about the increasing use of some of these chemicals and food additives in food and food processing. So this was quite a while ago. And, you know, the basic premise or purpose was to really require that an ingredient producer or manufacturer would have to demonstrate the safety of a food additive to the FDA. You know, by showing it to the FDA and having them review it, they could kind of, or the idea was that they, you know, uh, would ensure that these new food additives were safe uh, for their intended use before they hit the market and, you know, didn't really pose a public threat. So that was clearly a good thing, right? But alongside this uh, food additives amendment in 1958, Congress also decided that many food substances that were already used uh, would not really need a formal pre market review by the FDA. And the goal of this kind of ruling was to uh you know you know to spare the most time testing ingredients from this pre market approval. So ingredients that made it on this early list were things like you know vinegar or baking powder. Things that people have really used for a while. Now in nineteen fifty eight There were about 800 ingredients that really made it on this GRAS list, or again GRAS stands for generally recognized as safe. However, since then, you know, the number has risen extremely. Like, it's gone up like crazy. And because of this, the intensive rulemaking procedures for for these new food ingredients or additives, you know, became a huge burden to the FDA, like I already mentioned earlier, you know, just so resource and time intensive to really review and check all of this. So in order to deal with the lack of resources to really review and uh, approve every single ingredient that was brought to their attention, the FDA actually introduced this voluntary grass notification program in 1997. So what the heck is this voluntary grass notification program? Well, you know, some people really consider it to be a loophole. To put it bluntly, it pretty much allows the food or ingredient manufacturers to determine if a new additive is safe or not, so they make the decision. Now, according to the FDA, quote, any substance that is intentionally added to food is a food additive that is subject to pre-market review and approval by the FDA unless the substance is generally recognized among qualified experts as having been adequately shown to be safe under the conditions of its intended use or unless the use of the substance is otherwise expected from the definition of a food additive, end quote. So yeah, here the FDA is pretty much saying that every food additive uh, that, that, you know, that manufacturers want to bring to the market needs to go through a pre-market approval by the FDA unless it's been determined to be gross or generally recognized as safe and you know this determination can be made by by experts that are working for food manufacturers if these experts really determine that this new food additive or this new ingredient is safe they can start using it in the food supply and, and start selling it you know to food manufacturers and all that now you would think that before all this happens, the FDA then, you know, goes ahead and, and double-checks their decision and all that. Well, not so fast. Like I said, the manufacturers are the ones making the decisions, and they're legally not required to send their their determination to the FDA. It's a voluntary process. It's not mandatory at all. So, yeah, that's definitely a little messed up in my eyes. And there have been reports, you know, showing that there's financial conflicts of interests that are present on the side of the food manufacturers and these experts that they hire to make these determinations. So I do want to point out, though, that the FDA can definitely raise questions, and they do raise questions at times. So if a food manufacturer wants to bring a new additive to the market, you know, and sell it to companies that want to use it in their processed foods, then uh, if they want to, they can send a voluntary notice to the FDA. And if they do this, the FDA, you know, can then go ahead and review it and see if what these experts uh, determined to be generally recognized as safe is actually valid. So at least they still have that power. But this doesn't mean that the food ingredient is going to be taken off the market if it's already being used or, you know, that now just because the FDA wrote this company, you know, a letter saying, hey, uh, you got to review this. We're not so sure about your determination. This doesn't mean that, you know, they're not going to be used. Actually, according to Vani Hari, she's a food activist and has a great blog. In one of her articles about this topic, she says that, quote, the manufacturer can just withdraw their gross determination notice and continue to sell the additive on the market, end quote. So, yeah, there have been times where uh, notification was sent to the FDA but then it was withdrawn because the FDA raised some questions or whatever and you know then they just continued to sell these ingredients to the market i think that's kind of shady but to be fair i think it's important to note you know that there are manufacturers a lot of them that voluntarily submit their grass notice to the FDA and then the FDA reviews it and all that but you know the question is how how extensively is the FDA really looking into this and really reviewing all these determinations and, you know, there have been a lot of new food substances that were determined as grass, or, again, generally recognized as safe that were never, you know, sent to the, uh, to the FDA. So the FDA doesn't even know about them. According to a report by the PEW charitable trusts, their research found that there are currently over 10,000 additives allowed in food. Think about that. And they actually go on to state in their report that of these uh, 10,000 additives that are allowed in food, 3,000 have never been reviewed by the FDA. But the cherry on top is really that of these 3,000 that have never been reviewed, about 1,000 are all self-affirmed. So this means that you know companies have determined that these 1,000 chemicals or food additives are generally recognized as safe, and they have sold them to other companies that then use them in the food supply without ever notifying the FDA at all. So yes, there are a lot of food additives in-food products, sold on the market, and the FDA really has no idea about what they are. And neither do we. So I guess with this system, we just have to trust experts, you know, that they're going to do the right thing. But, you know, I really don't know how much I can trust them. Because there have been many cases where experts have deemed ingredients or food substances as safe, as generally recognized as safe, only to be banned by the FDA at a later point after they had been shown to be a public threat or a threat to, you know, our safety, our health. So I want to share some of these examples with you. I'm sure many of you have heard of this first one since it was just recently banned. Introducing everybody's best friend, the trans fats. Just kidding, no one likes them anymore. In 2015, the FDA made its own final determination about partially hydrogenated oils, which, you know, are the main source of uh, artificial trans fats. So in 2015, the FDA deemed trans fats to not be generally recognized as safe or gross. On their website, and I thought this to be kind of funny, actually, even though it's bad, they say that, quote, removing partially hydrogenated oils from, the, from processed foods could prevent thousands of heart attacks and deaths each year, end quote. Great. Too bad that trans fats have been around since the early 1900s. So they have been around in our food for so long, and now, they're you know, in 2015, they finally recognize that there's something really bad for us and that they're not healthy at all. And you know what's funny? Since trans fats have been introduced to the market, there were numerous times, there were a lot of studies that showed that they cause heart attack, you know, and that they're really unhealthy, but still... They did not have to be removed from our food supply until 2018. But actually, I just found out that the FDA has allowed for a new food compliance date for some of these trans fats. And um, this pretty much means that, you know, companies were supposed to get all of trans fats out of the food supply by 2018. But now they have extended it in the state to be 2020, for some at least. And that's actually 5 years after they determined that, you know, they were not generally recognized as safe. So you can tell with these food additives, you know, it's not like the FDA is going to, you know, if finds out that one of them is bad and the next day they're not going to be used in our food, you know. It's a long process and sometimes it takes them forever to even figure out that, you know, one of these ingredients or substances, whatever you want to call them, that have been added to food under this gross determination are bad and it takes him forever to take him out of this food supply again. Here's another example. In 2018, the FDA banned seven flavorings that have been around for a long time and they were actually used in a wide variety of foods like ice cream, candy, and so on. So according to the Center of Science for Public Interest, these flavorings were actually officially approved by the FDA in the 1960s, so that was quite a long time ago, but since then, the FDA's sister agency, which is the National Toxicology Program, they have run tests on these ingredients, you know, and they've actually found them to, or they've found evidence that they are indeed carcinogenic, you know, meaning that they have a potential to cause cancer. And as a result, they've, you know, pretty much forced the FDA to ban them now. So again, as you can see, not all of these food additives that, you know, have been determined as generally recognized as safe, turn out to be safe in the long run. And sadly, we the public are very much left in the dark when it comes to all of this. There are a lot of other examples out there. These are just two of the ones I found. So I really think, you know, this whole voluntary grass program is not good for the public safety. I understand the FDA though, you know. um, Imagine having to test and review every single additive extensively. I almost think we kind of need a whole separate program that is only focused on, you know, reviewing and testing new food ingredients or additives that manufacturers are trying to bring to the market. Because it's so sad that this current system really can leave the FDA, the agency that's supposed to be looking after our, you know, public interest when it comes to our national food supply in the dark and it leaves the public in the dark as well we don't know about it we don't know about a lot of these ingredients that are being brought to the market so i guess the big question i really want you to think about is do we really know what's in our food i don't think so and you know to me this information was super interesting Uh, i hope it was for you too because for us consumers i think this really gives us more reason to limit our consumption of processed foods If you try to eat real simple foods, you know, you will already decrease your exposure to some of these additives. And I'm not saying all of these additives are bad, but there, you know, there's so many and there's so many being brought to the market that are not really reviewed and tested. And in the long run, we just don't know what effects you're going to have on our health. And what we really don't know is what their, you know, compounding effect is. It's usually not just one of these ingredients in a processed foods. It's 10 different ones. So, do we know, you know, if this long-term exposure of all of these chemicals or ingredients, you know, is really detrimental to us? We just don't know. So, the next time you go shopping for food, you know, maybe grab a couple more veggies or another steak. You know, grab foods that you know are real foods that you know are simple that don't require a lot of processing because I really think that's the way to go, because, you know, that way we actually know what we're eating. That's all I have for you guys today. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider supporting it. You can review and rate it on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that you use. Reviewing the podcast is still one of the best ways to really support it, because that allows us to reach a lot more foodies like you and I. And of course, you can also share it on social media with your family and friends. Or even better, tell someone about it. You know, tell someone who you might think will also get value from it. Word of mouth is still my favorite way to get the word out. In the show notes, I've included a share link that allows you to share the podcast super easily with anyone. Otherwise, you guys can visit my website at www.theyearofplenty.com. There you will find a subscribe page with which you know you can directly subscribe to the show so that you will never miss an episode. If you use social media, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is Poldi Wieland, all one word. The podcast is also on Twitter and Facebook. Just type at the year of plenty into the search bar. Otherwise, the show notes will have all the links. Thank you so much for listening and all of your support. I really, really appreciate all of you foodies who take the time out of your day to listen. So let's keep learning and exploring real food and drink together.